Since 1973, the art of engraving brings to life the artistry that Montana Silversmiths is known for and is fueled by a passion for the Western lifestyle. Montana Silversmiths' buckles and jewelry are more than accessories. They are stories, stories of moments and memories shared through the giving, receiving, and earning of Montana Silversmiths' buckles and jewelry. Celebrate what matters with Montana Silversmiths. Thank you, as always, to our friends at Montana Silversmiths, the official buckle maker of the Pro Rodeo Cowboys Association, as well as professional bull riders, big supporters of everything, according to Flint, podcasts, Tuesday Night Lives, uh, everything with us. Uh, years of a great relationship with them. Welcome to episode number 77 of According to Flint, the podcast. This week, I'm flying a little solo. Lots to cover. It's a good time of year to do a solo podcast. Took some questions uh, from social media, listened out there to some questions that people may have. Uh, we're in the middle of the team series of the PBR and winding down into this last few weeks of the PRCA's regular season to qualify for the National Finals Rodeo. So a few things to talk about and some fun things for us. We will kick off episode number 77. But first this, as we record this, it's happening. It's the Pendleton Roundup and lots of Pendleton whiskey going down the old gullets because it feels so good. Our friends at Pendleton Whiskey back after this. This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Well, welcome to episode number 77. It is just everything according to Flint. Took some good questions for some, from some fans out there over Facebook. And like I said, just listening, reading some comments out there about uh, people curious about things. Past uh, live broadcast shows, questions people are asking. Uh, first, it's a, it's a big week. It's a big season, football season's on, so that's a good thing for me. I'm a football guy. Uh, I make that known quite often. It's fun for me. I find it interesting now that college football has started. How many people, grown adults in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, put their complete emotional stability in the hands of 18 to 22-year-olds? I watch football because it's fun. I'm a Montana State Bobcat football fan because it's fun. And when they lose a game, I don't drive my car to the edge of the cliff and think about it. It's just, right, it's supposed to be fun. So I'm, I'm a football guy. I Yes, I'm heartbroken for Aaron Rodgers that four plays into the game, he tore his Achilles. I don't find it to be amusing. I think people don't understand now that I've gone through a career change and grown older and doing something I love to do that, and that I was kind of at the top of my game at, uh, I don't think people realize Aaron Rodgers is a real guy and it just cost him his season. And who knows at that age, that's a tough comeback from a blown Achilles. So see, I get off track when I talk about football, uh, big week to, um, 
this past Monday was September 11th, September 11, 2001. And everybody has a story. It's one of those things. Remember the generation, my, the generation before me, it was where were you when Kennedy got shot? That, that was everybody's reference. And everybody knew while well, I was at school, I was, uh, I remember my mom and dad talking about, um, I think they were teaching school and they talk about where they were. I know exactly where I was the morning. It was a Tuesday morning. And I was at Pendleton, Oregon, at the Pendleton Roundup. It was Tuesday morning, 2001, and we had done one night. The, the, the bull riding there, which is now the Extreme Bulls Finals of Pro Rodeo, the, the bull riding at Happy Canyon, which is a different arena than the big Pendleton Roundup, but right next to it, was only a couple years old at that time. So working on a Monday and Tuesday night was new to us a little bit in Pendleton. We had worked the PBR event on Monday night. Uh, so we're in on West Coast time, so it was much earlier, three hours earlier in Oregon, and I was laying in my hotel bed, the Oxford Suites Hotel, where I stayed all those years at Pendleton. I had a connecting room with... Joe Bumgarner, I believe Joe Bumgarner and Lloyd Ketchum may have been staying together, but my friend Joe Bumgarner, greatest bullfighter of all time in my book, we had a connecting door so I could hear. And Joe always talked, and still to this day, always talked louder when he was on his phone. So he's talking on his phone. He talks louder and says the F word a lot. On the phone, I'm just laying in bed. I hadn't even turned my my uh, TV on. I was... I was laying there just kind of enjoying the moment and I hear uh, Joe Bumgarner to somebody on the phone say, are you watching this effing shit on TV right now? This is crazy. I went, I wonder what's going on. And I turned on the TV and it was all happening on TV. One plane had hit and as I turned it on, the next one hit. So we... We're in Pendleton, Oregon. This is all going down. We had a PBR that night and the Pendleton Roundup Rodeo starting on Wednesday. To this day, I look back and we didn't have as much emotion as some people because we were immersed in this. Okay, how are, do we keep working? Do There was, it, as far as I was concerned, there was never a discussion about not having the bull riding that night and the rodeo all week. But it was a strange week in that as the week went, we were all starting to gather up the significance of what we were working through because the rest of the country was kind of shut down. No, no sports, no entertainment. But uh, like we say, uh, I wrote a Pendleton Roundup song. The day terror came out of the sky, the whole world cried. But I was at that Pendleton Roundup and all we did was say, hey, letter buck. Like I remember Justin McKee announcing, saying we will not lose they're not going to beat us here. We're going to keep doing what we're doing for all the people that were lost. Anyway, I think that's part of, I talk about the Pendleton Roundup a lot and the connection I've always had there. And I think a lot of it had to do with going through uh, an event like that. And that's where I was. And I grew close to the people there, everybody that I was working with. That's why I have such a connection with the Pendleton Roundup. And frankly, um, and it was a business decision since they, went to extreme bowls. I no longer go there. And I never really got to say goodbye there. My, my, um, my tenure at Pendleton just sort of ended. Um, I should have maybe made a road trip out there this year and just, um, 
Would have been nice to make an appearance, but with PBR teams and my new job there on each side of it, the travel just didn't work, And I, but I would have liked to go. So anyway, that is my uh, 9-11 story and where I was. We worked through the week. Um, and then the next year, it was very emotional the, the next year with everything they did. So speaking of not being able to go because of the new job, probably... I said I took questions and listened to questions in the last few weeks of what I should address in this uh, solo podcast, which I do one of these every four four months or so. We just do a solo one. Uh, I get asked a lot about my new job. I also get asked, what are you doing now that you're retired? So thanks for paying attention. Appreciate it. More of a transition, not really a retirement. I retired from one job. That's what's unique about the profession I'm in. Uh, most people, when they retire from a job, either are retired and done or completely change companies they work for. I have stayed employed by the PBR. I have just changed the same schedule, just a different job once I arrive. Uh, one individual asked the pros and cons of my new job. I am one of the sideline, quote-unquote sideline or behind-the-shoots reporters for the broadcast of the PBR Team Series. Whether it's Ride Pass on Pluto a couple nights a week, we do a lot of CBS Game of the Week one-hour shows, and live on CBS Sports Network. So um, there are lots of pros and cons. Mostly, um, here, I'll, I'll tell you the pros of it. I'm still working in the industry. Uh, it's just a hard thing to address. And I I do know that people don't um, mean negative by it, but there's some questions I get asked that I don't mean to sound snarky in answering, but after thousands and thousands of people asking the same thing, probably the the cons of it is, having to talk about it around every corner at every event I'm going to while just trying to succeed and excel at the new job that I have. Good thing is I'm talking about what I've been watching for the last however many years, and I do think I can bring some insight into what's going on. But talking about, uh, you know, do you miss it? Do you like this better? Do you... It's just a constant thing. And I know everybody's just trying to engage and have a conversation with me. Probably the biggest thing is, do you miss it? Do you miss being in the arena yet? If I don't at some point moving forward miss my job entertaining fans in the arena, then I was doing the wrong job for 30 years. So I compare it a lot to professional athletes. They're going to miss playing football. They're... But if physically and emotionally they were completely done, they probably don't sit there, you know, a month after they quit and crave being out there. Maybe they do. I have not hit that. I look out in the arena. For one, I'm engulfed and immersed in the job I'm doing. TV, you're in a whole different show than out in the arena. I can't really hear what's going on in the live arena. I have not looked out in the arena and went, damn it, I wish I was out there dancing right now. Funny, I have not. I can honestly say, um, studio audience right over here, by the way. Uh, I can honestly say I have not looked out there and said, damn it, I wish I was out there. There's been times I look, I'll tell you what I do miss is that connection. 
you know, you look out when we were in Nashville, sold out Saturday night in Nashville. There's 11,000, 12,000 people there. Looking out there, what I do miss is that connection of knowing uh, in the words of Deion Sanders and other coaches, uh, I'm him. Uh, he is him. That's the thing. I miss being that guy, knowing when I walk out there, I could be in control of all of these people's emotions for the next couple hours. Again, I don't miss the pressure of it. I don't miss the physical pain of it, which the last couple of years was very present, and that's what wore me out. And I don't miss that at all. But it's that connection, looking up in the stands, the connection with people, and knowing I'm making a difference in their day. That's probably what I miss. Not putting on, it's funny, I have not one time missed this. I have not, I've told people it's the necessary evil. It's the makeup was the last thing I'd put on and the first thing I'd take off at shows. So, um, and for as far as people saying, you know, it, it happened to me again behind the shoots the other day. A kid came up and said, you like this job better? That would mean I started this job and said, shit, I should have done this 15 years ago. This is awesome. It No. No, I don't. And that doesn't mean I dislike what I'm doing. I People kind of feel like they're setting me up. Hey, how's your new job going? You like it better? No. Oh, it's not going very well? No, you just asked if I like it better. So no, I don't like it better. But I do enjoy what I can bring. My role right now uh, is a little bit limited. So I try to take advantage of what I bring into the, the broadcast and try to look at it differently. But... Um, uh, but no, I and, and none of this was all of a sudden, uh, you know, all of a sudden, one day I decided, I'm sick of this, I'm going to quit. It's like my boss, Sean Gleason, the CEO, said, we've been talking about it for a few years. It was just a matter of, of when to do it. But physically and emotionally, I was done. And who knows, in a year, I might miss it. I, I didn't just say in a year, I'm going to start back up. You thought I was doing that, but no, um, I have, um, also, well, also, um, I'm not sure what the plan is starting in November for the regular season Unleash the Beast tour. Uh, there will be an entertainer in the arena. They've kind of Rotated in Brinson James at the team series, a couple here and there. But as far as uh, in arena PBR, I'm not the guy with the answers to that. And if I had answers, I'm not sure I could tell everybody anyway. And not really completely sure what my role is going to be with the UTB. So, uh, so I'll keep you updated on that. Uh, I have been asked got a f quite a few calls from pro rodeos across the country saying hey we're it's our i got one the other day hey it's our 90th anniversary rodeo could you come back and work it hey would you come back and work this one we you never got to work here we'd like you to come so uh i appreciate that i'm not gonna open that can of worms right now and all of a sudden show up at a rodeo uh, and I understand it's when people don't call that you got to be concerned. But I sometimes feel like 
rodeos are calling with the impression I was pissed off at somebody and didn't want to do PBRs anymore, so now he'll come do our rodeos. That's not the case. But it did it it did cross my mind in the last couple years, about two or three years to go, maybe it's the flying and maybe I need to transition back and finish out my career rodeoing. And people would say, just pick 10. Why don't you... I remember, I'll, I'll call out Brandon Bates. Why don't you just pick 10 of them, 10 of the ones you want, charge whatever you want and go do that. It doesn't quite work that way because rodeos anymore, they're not hiring in December. They're not hiring for their rodeo the next summer. There are rodeos that have two, three, four year contracts with the guys. And I'm not going to be that guy to try and take a rodeo from someone. And I shouldn't be able if they're doing a great job to take it from someone. So that really isn't the format of how rodeos work. Cause that would, I, I can say if at, if in the last two, three years, if there was a point where I could have, and plus rodeo, you're not working for the PRCA, you're working for individual rodeos. I can say if there was a time a year and a half ago where I could have seriously, I've made my list of 10 rodeos, picked the 10 rodeos I wanted and said, I want them. I might've done that. I might've done that. That would be fun. Let's pick 10. Nobody gets to do that. That's a hypothetical. If I could have done that, I might've done that. That might've been fun. I mean, man, it'd be fun. You go to Red Bluff and Clovis and you hit Sisters, Oregon and down to Reno and up to St. Paul. And then you go from St. Paul to Cheyenne there you go. You end up in the Northwest at Ellensburg and Pendleton. I see you could, I'm not going to, but I, those are, those are a few on my top 10. Uh, uh, also, so that kind of covers the, how's the new job? The pros are, I get to, uh, I get to work talking about bull riding on the same tour. I'm kind of in this no man's land, this in between that's kind of been frustrating. I was always in the locker room going to the live event. We had production meetings before the live show every night with that group. Now I'm in TV, but I'm not quite in the TV group and I'm no longer in the live show. I'm kind of this, uh, I'm a loner, Dottie, a rebel, <laughs> Pee Wee Herman. I'm in this in between no man's land of who to hang out with a little bit. So basically I hang out with my friends, whichever ones will have me on that day. So it's, it's a weird transition, but it's good. So, uh, along with that, it takes me, segues me to a ne the next question that I was asked, uh, this, the team series of the PBR, someone asked, uh, how's this season going, living up to expectations to my expectations? This is exciting. Um, I will say this about the PBR team, team series. I've always said, it's not my job. Maybe it is my job come to think of it, to be a cheerleader for the team series. Uh, it is part of my job. And right now it's part of my job to talk about it, um, be involved and immersed in it as a commentator. Uh, but everybody is, I think everybody is learning. From what I, my interpretation, I've talked to people, The I tell people all the time, if you want to see a, the team series and really get the feel for it, go live. Go to Kansas City or Nashville or um, we're in Oklahoma City and, you know, Greensboro and, and Fort Worth are coming up because the technology used and the visual, the lighting, 
the LED boards as the fence, the, the teams on each side where you look and all the graphics, one side says Kansas City Outlaws and the other one says Texas Rattlers and you go back and forth and watch the ride. On TV, see, you don't get that. Uh, like I talked to my parents. They, you don't get that. They're bucking one on this side. Hey, he's 88 points. Boom, you go over to this side because there's two shoots on each side and they have both deliveries for the Bulls. So I think live you get that back and forth feel that you maybe don't get on TV. But we're all learning how to present it. I, I think the live show, hey, listen, in the regular season, the Unleash the Beast Tour, uh, in the NFL, in the NBA, in Major League Baseball, it's all better live. Team series, same way. It's visually and making sense of it and listening with the energy. It's always better live. We are learning, I think, every week how to make it better as we present it to the television audience. We're always tweaking things. Every week, our producer, Jason Jaquette, comes and says, hey, we're going to try something a little different this week. Uh, Flint, you're going to you're going to be the lead on two guys per game, which means Kate Harrison says, here's uh, uh, here's Kyler Oliver getting ready to ride, and then I come in. Hey, we saw Kyler last night uh, bring what we thought he could bring early in his career. He's been bitten by the injury, but that was an actual one. So we are always learning about how to present it the best way to the TV audience. But, man, the live shows, they're always better. I love, but I'm a live show guy. Um, so, so yeah, as far as excitement, I wish, you know, once again, uh, the bull power, the breeding of bulls, the, the programs they have with the ABBI bull power is exceeding what anybody thought it would. So I wish the riding percentage was higher. Now, what do you do? Do you dumb it down a little bit? Do you bring bulls and balance them out where they ride more bulls? That can be done. Everybody does it. Rodeo does it. The NFR does it. We just have a lot of great stock contractors with a lot of great bulls, and we can't tell them to leave those bulls home. I don't decide on the bulls, but that's my thought. Now, I wish our, I wish every one of these games, matchups of bull teams, I wish it was three bulls to two, or both teams rode three bulls, who has the highest score, or four, four bulls to two. That makes it better on us. If you think we like when they ride one total bull out of 10 rides, you're wrong. It sucks for us too. So it's uh, what you're trying to do is make chicken salad, you know, trying to make lemonade, you know. And so, yeah, I would like that. Now, to address one thing that somebody asked me, uh, I think it was during one of my live broadcasts a couple weeks ago, someone said, hey, on the Behind the Buckle podcast, one individual, now, I don't know who the individual was. I would say it's nutless not to tell me who the individual was because I don't watch that podcast or listen to it. They indicated on this podcast that all the enthusiasm by the teams and the cheering and the coaches where they get excited is fake. That Sean Gleason has instructed everybody, hey, act like you're excited to pump up the energy. I'm on the back of those one set of shoots every ride of that side every weekend. So I'm uh, I'm on one set of shoots for 20 rides to with four different teams every single night of teams. There is nothing artificial about the enthusiasm 
that the teams are showing. Now, I do believe, because this is kind of, I think there's confusion there. I do believe that maybe teams were told, hey, listen, this is a different format. If you're excited, be excited. If you want to throw your hat in the arena, throw your hat in the arena. If you want to run out and, and hug your teammate, do it. There, It was more of a feel free to be excited here. This is a different kind of presentation. That's different than fake enthusiasm. That is saying it's okay. Uh, you know, you guys keep in mind what each ride holds and the excitement. It's contagious now. There's no fake enthusiasm. I know those guys. I know all the coaches. I traveled with all those coaches. I know their intensity. When I see Justin McBride jump off the back of the chutes to shake the hand of young Caden Loud when he's so excited for him that he rode a bull and was 90 points, that's that's real stuff. Justin McBride would never do that. So, um, so so yeah, it, that is that's an un that's an untrue statement as far as I know and as far as what I am. Believe me, I bump into him because it's a pain in the ass on the back of the shoots because every team has a social media person, a camera person, three extra riders. Yeah. See, that's a negative. Don't don't let me go negative here. So um anyway, so those are my thoughts on I kind of covered the pros and cons into the team series PBR things um for you there. So I hope I answered some of those questions. But keep in mind if you take the time on social media to write a post this long about why you don't like teams, you took more time to do that than it would take just to go, oh, wait, I'll wait till uh, about the second week of November and the Unleash the Beast Tour starts. But when it comes down to it, it's still great bull riding, the team series. So whatever. Um, and if you reach out to me, um, I had a couple of people reach out to me, direct message me to tell me they don't like the teams thing and mad because the PBR didn't respond. And I'm not your guy. Whether you like it or not, I can say this sounds harsh. I don't care if you don't. I, that's okay. Wait, wait till November. We'll, we'll go again. We still crown a world champion. Nobody ruined bull riding. Still bull riding. Uh, funny thing that uh, as I ask people to ask me things, inevitably, and because he just suffered another injury and he's going to be okay, a neck injury in Lewiston, Idaho, had surgery, going to be okay. The JB, I call it the JB Mooney factor. And I think that the PBR used to call it the JB Mooney factor too. And, you know, what? whatever people think between PRCA and PBR, we're all rodeo fans at the PBR. I know that, all of us who work there. Uh, Rodeo took advantage of the J.B. Mooney factor too and call him the $7 million bull rider. So we got a little, there. it's all good apparently because he won that $7 million somewhere. Uh, I like it. They play bad to the bone. They play everything. The J.B. Mooney factor is real. PBR used to post about him quite a bit on social media because for one, he was the, he was the most fame i'll say famous probably polarizing but a lot of that has to do with being famous most famous and polarizing bull rider i have ever seen in my career in rodeo bull riding anything the jb mooney factor is numbers clicks anytime you post about jb mooney it gets more clicks than anything ever i can't remember what episode he was when we first started doing this podcast and we'll get him again at some point 
when we first started doing this podcast, we had JB Mooney in studio. We opened a beer for him and set it in front of him and we just sat and talked. That that podcast, numbers-wise for us, just on YouTube, not counting audio downloads, 300,000 views on YouTube on our podcast. Instant numbers. Instant numbers. So JB's fine. He's going to be okay. But it, it's funny that I was in Ellensburg, Washington. And I went there because it was our 100th anniversary, hosted a little pre-show, and hung around four days. And one day, I ran into JB. Uh, he was not, he was done for the day. And I was done for the day. And he said, let's go have a beer somewhere. Where can we go? And I said, I have an idea. And we went to the Gold Buckle Room, this building at Ellensburg that butts up against the arena. It's cool. I'm an honorary member of the Gold Buckle Club, so I have a path. So I took J.B. Mooney in there. For one, we could not have a conversation because keep, people kept walking between us to talk to J.B. Mooney. But we, we bellied up to the bar with our back to the room and just were visiting, and we had a beer. And my daughter messaged me and said, hey, what's up, Dad? And I said, here, J.B., my daughter wants to know what we're doing. So we held our beers up, not advertising a brand of beer. We held our beer up and I took a selfie of us and I sent it to Shelby. Said, just having a beer with JB. Oh, cool. And I looked at the picture and it was kind of cool. I was like, ah. So I threw it up on social media, always good. And I think I said something to the effect, always good to have a beer with an old friend, JB. We were just visiting. Um, it total views of that picture. So the number of people who saw that, you can look at, we have, we can get that stuff. It's right. We get the uh, insights and statistics. 900,000 people saw that picture. Engagement, which means if you liked it, if you shared it, if you commented on it, what am I missing? If you, those are, that's engagement on, on Facebook. That's what you can do. You can react to it, which is like, love that, whatever. We don't know that combined with comments, shares. It had like, it has like 400 shares, which means that exponentially. Anyway, 59,000, right under 60,000 engagements on that picture. That's what we call the J.B. Mooney factor. So I'm going to post about J.B. again, get, get my numbers up. That is what the J.B. Mooney thing does. The J.B. Mooney factor does that for every organization, everybody on social media. The problem is, I said he's the most famous bull rider. He's also the most polarizing. Instantly, gradually, not instantly. You get comments and about 200 comments in, you can see people, one individual says, oh great, the government has to pay when you get hurt and now they're paying for your, your liver disease as well. Yeah, because we're having a beer on a Saturday afternoon. Um, you know, oh, JB's washed up. Look at you, Flint. Hey, nice advertising. I'd rather drink horse piss than Coors Light. All of that. It, it, I mean, it just turned in that along with great numbers on social media, that is also part of the J.B. Mooney factor. Um, somebody else said, I can't really handle Flint. Well, I posted the thing, so I can't really handle it. And I thanked him. Thank you for taking the time to say. So 
The J.B. Mooney factor, for all of you on here who asked about J.B. Mooney, J.B. Mooney, it leads to this. That's why everybody asks about it. That's why there's always a question about J.B. It's, he's in your head, man. He's living in people's heads rent-free. That's, and uh, I could call him right now, and he'd probably answer his phone and talk to me for 45 minutes because that's just what JB does. So uh, speaking of the rodeo world, uh, like I said, I've been asked to do several rodeos. Um, <clears throat> I went to, over Labor Day, as I said, to the Ellensburg, Ellensburg Washington Rodeo, a rodeo that was in my t- list of 10 rodeos I would work. And I did. They set up a little stage. They wanted me to be a part of things. I, I helped kick off with my friend J.J. Harrison, helped kick off the Thursday night concert, made an appearance at a sponsor dinner, spoke for 15 minutes or so at a huge Sunday night dinner. They served 1,000 people out at a really cool venue out in the country. But I did a little pre-show that, um, you know, right where people come in, I, I had a couple cowboys that were competing that day come up on stage with me as we started to talk. People gathered around. It was a little nerve-wracking at first, not knowing if people would stop and watch it. But, you know, and somebody asked me, "Is you know, good to see you in Ellensburg. Is that something you would take and run with and do at other rodeos? And that's a good question. Uh, it, would, it would take the right kind of rodeo where that fan base is very familiar with me and what I've done and the, a fan base that wants to take in the whole day and not just come in, sit in their seats, enjoy a two-hour rodeo and get the hell out of there. Ellensburg's one of those over three-hour rodeos where you settle in for the afternoon, have a hamburger and a beer and enjoy the rodeo. It's more of a, an attraction. I'd say Pendleton the Pendleton Roundup is like that. Uh, Cheyenne Frontier Days is like that. Clovis, California kind of is like that. And Red Bluff, those kind of rodeos where they're afternoon shows and you know you're going to be there over three hours. Those might be the kind of places where maybe a little pre-show would work. Um, no, I mean, nothing in the works right now, I would say, but if I was asked to do it, if the situation was right, I would like that because I like to be connected to rodeo as well as PBR because rodeo was as much a part of my life as PBR has been. Um, longevity in PBR was a little, uh, maybe a little longer just because of the flying and, you know, being home during the week. But yeah, something that I would do. Hey, circling back, doubling back to PBR, I had written something down. Uh a lady asked on Facebook, why is there no injury news about riders anymore as much on PBR.com on the PBR website? And I just saw it before I recorded, so I should get the right answer, but I know being a part of the TV broadcast, there are different things uh, going on with talking, giving an official report about somebody's injury. It has to be approved by like the team they ride for. You... We can't just kick out medical information, I think is the deal. And they're not employees of the company. They're not. So, you know, everybody wants instant, and that's a world we live in. We want to know right now, what's wrong with him? Why are there no injury reports? I don't know why it's not on the website, honestly, but I know we are very, very cautious on TV, and I know they are in the live arena as well, to give any kind of a port report without approval from uh, the doctors, you know, Tandy Freeman, sports medicine, 
and the team and the rider and everybody. Hey, um, in Oklahoma City, I know Colton Fritzland broke his femur. I know that. That's reported. Is it on the website? I can't answer to that. But just know there is a, a lot more caution given to giving medical information out about the riders. And not everybody really wants you to know maybe what's going on if there's some stuff going on with an injury. So um, that's a little different. I know Rodeo just lost a great young bareback rider in Trenton, Montero. Great kid. Everybody loved Trenton. The Monteros, a great family from Nevada. You know, there were little little reports on Facebook and stuff, but I thought it was 20 days since his injury. And honestly, I had seen pictures on Facebook. I thought he was good. I talked to his friends, fellow bareback riders. I thought he was good. I thought he was on his way to getting out of the hospital, and he passed away. Young guy with a five-week-old baby. So, you know, not not all medical information is out there for all of us, and and frankly, that's how it should be. Um, I I've been I got a question, and it leads to something else. Somebody asked about if you know rodeo. Casey Field, in my book, is the greatest bareback rider that ever was in rodeo to ever run his glove in a bareback rigging. Somebody said, what's the deal with Casey field, uh, not qualifying for the NFR because he's short of rodeos. I do not believe that that is a rule in the bareback riding, um, that you have to go to if Casey field, I think he's, he's 10th or 11th in the bareback riding right now. And he's been to like 20 rodeos, 20 rodeos gets him to the NFR. So be it. The rule only applies in the PRCA to bull riding. As evidence, as is on display with a guy named Sage Kimsey, seven-time world champion. Bull riding has a series called the Extreme Bulls, which I remember the commissioner Steve Hatchell back in the day when I was still rodeoing, launched a standalone bull riding series within the PRCA to compete with the PBR because the PBR was had taken off and was doing standalone bull riding. So he said, we need to do a PRCA-sanctioned extreme bulls tour. When that happened, what started happening was bull riders had these opportunities to win large chunks of money all at once. So they made a rule. And yes, to me, the rule does make sense. A lot of people say, that's bullshit. If you can win money with going to 10 rodeos, you win money. But they didn't want guys going to these big extreme bulls. There's one, there was one in Ellensburg, and the extreme bulls finals uh, goes on in at the Pendleton Roundup. Look it up as you're watching this, hopefully right when it comes out, on how much money they wanted the Extreme Bowls. I know for a fact winning the first round paid $11,000. So what they didn't want was guys just going to these Extreme Bowls stops and across the country are all these rodeos not getting good bull riders because they're only going to the Extreme Bowls tour. So what they did was said, they said, you can win all this money in the Extreme Bowls tour but it does not count. It does not activate until you go to 40 road actual rodeos. It's not a rule in the bareback riding. So if Casey Field has won money and he's gone to 20, he's fine. That's the understanding I get. Watch me be wrong. That's all right. I'm wrong a lot. So Sage Kimsey has enough that he's, he won a bunch of money at Extreme Bulls Tour. He was going to rodeos, Shine Frontier Days. He breaks his collarbone, snaps his collarbone has surgery. 
he starts calculating going to the end of the year in the last two months of the season, if he waits until his collarbone heals up to get on bulls again, he's not going to get to go to the NFR because he's not going to have enough rodeos to qualify for that extreme bulls money to activate to get to the NFR. So he looked at the rule and he decided to travel around to his credit. He's flying around, driving around to rodeos. He gets down on the bull and puts his foot on the bull and puts his hand on the rope, nods, and they turn the bull out, and it's a zero. A lot of fans upset. This is bullshit. This is da-da-da. He's not true. He, he didn't win enough money and say, I don't want to go anymore, so he goes and fakes it and mounts out. He's got his, he's got his collarbones plated together doing this, and he's flying around the country to rodeos. He was entering. He was in Ellensburg to mount it out suddenly feels like halfway through this process, they're going to start not counting it, uh, getting technicalities of the rule. Um, so that's why the, uh, the rule is in place to protect the integrity of rodeos as well as the extreme bulls. Now, I, I'm going to talk to Sage and get what the final part of it is, but a lot of fans were pretty brutal to Sage Kimsey and Rodeo, there's got to be some credit given to a guy like Sage Kimsey, being a seven-time world champion, that he's flying all around the damn country, mounting these bulls out, trying to live up to what the rule says so that he can qualify for the NFR with a legitimate injury. Um, no reason to be upset. You know, Don't hate the player, hate the game. That's what they say in sports. Um it's amazing to me how many fans get upset about things. You know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll use one. With social media and the Cowboy Channel, I think we've seen a different side to rodeo fans. And, you know, Rocker Steiner, uh, I'm not going to comment on Rocker Steiner. I'm just going to, because I'm friends with his family. Bareback rider Rocker Steiner. Um He's ruining the reputation of all other cowboys that are stand-up men and stand-up hardworking men. Okay, let's get something straight. If you think everybody in rodeo is a stand-up individual that works their ass off, you're wrong. Rodeo people are people just like everybody else. So the biggest thing you got to shake is the fact that every rodeo cowboy is a stand-up, hardworking, great individual because what you just said on social media, you say that while cussing out a 19-year-old bareback rider because you don't like the way he acts. So, I mean, where's the irony there? If Cowboy Channel and social media has taught us anything, it's that rodeo fans are just like any other sport fan. sports fans. They have good things to say and bad things to say. So we'll keep an eye on the Sage Kimsey situation, but I think it's an interesting case how they will allow this to play out within the Pre Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association. We will see. A couple of things before I go. I, first of all, I appreciate I like doing these solo podcasts. I hope you get some information out of it. In reference back to my new job and retiring from the arena, I've been asked a lot, you know, are you still doing shows? Everybody thought I was retiring and going to a beach, which, by the way, if I could afford to do that, I think I could do that. But my show at the uh, Wrangler National Finals Rodeo that I've hosted for 17, 18 years, I was figuring, I think it'll be 19 this year. My Outside the Barrel 
Outside the Barrel with Flint Rasmussen. We will be doing that show at the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. The reason I did it all those years is because I knew someday I would no longer be able to perform in the arena. Uh, and I love putting on a sport coat and standing up on stage and interviewing people and have musical guests. It's a big part. Of, music is such a fun part of my life and interviewing, giving. Uh, I'm, I'll say this. I was the, when, when I first started doing Outside the Barrel at the NFR, they built me a little stage in the corner of the trade show. And I was the only one in town, the only rodeo kind of variety talk show. Now there's a lot of them. The stage I'm on at the NFR is full kind of all day with stuff going on. Um, so I figure like, I feel like we did it first. And by we, I feel me and Kurt Blake, who owns a freaking liquor store in Laramie, Wyoming. I feel like we did it first. So we are still doing that. We are working currently in this studio. The guys I work with, we are currently working on the best way to stream that and getting out, getting it out to all the viewers. It will not be on Cowboy Channel uh, this year. And you got to ask the Cowboy Channel about that one. Uh, I won't comment here, but we are not on Cowboy Channel. But we will be out there um, with as much easy access if you're willing to find that easy access and go do something besides turn on whatever channel the Cowboy Channel is. We'll make it better. It'll be, it'll be kind of be able to get back to the show we always wanted to do and used to do before we were on TV. So the uh, NFR show outside the barrel, absolutely going on. Looking ahead to the Unleash the Beast tour regular season. I'll be somehow involved. I'm not sure yet if it's TV and production within the arena, whatever the case may be, but I'm still around. So don't forget as you watch this uh, podcast, virtually unless something comes up every Tuesday night, we do a Facebook live broadcast right from this studio, according to Flint live where we update PBR things. We take questions from fans in the moment, not just read them later. Like I have been today. Uh, it's a fun time. We bring guests on once in a while. It has turned into a real fun show for us. And we hope you like everything we do here in the, according to Flint studio, we are trying to bring you original content, original ideas and just really fun stuff and fun takes on the Western sports industry, the music industry, whatever interests us. So thanks for joining me on episode number 77 of According to Flint. We'll see you in a couple weeks on the next episode and every Tuesday night. See you next time.